by Orbit down in front, a shot, and they score! And it's Devontae Smith-Pelly on a save and a left point! DSP save of the day! We're tied at three with 10-0. Co-host Greg Young, and today uh, we are welcoming back a Japers Ring contributor, uh, Peacock employee, NBC Sports and Sporting News former employee, and all-around great person, uh, Sammy Silver. Sammy, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm so happy to be here. How are you, Greg? I'm well. I'm well. I'm well. I uh, about as well as I can be, you know, given uh, the you know Capitals bowing out early and everything like that. But it's. Uh, you know, I think this is kind of the interesting time to be a Capsan in a lot of ways because I think we're starting to think and process a little bit uh, about what exactly happened while we're also kind of realizing, oh, thank goodness, we're not like the dominant narrative because everyone still wants to talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. So, uh, all right. Well, so let's like dive in here real quick. Um, so you wrote recently about Alex Ovechkin and his legacy and – I kind of want to like tie that in a little bit to the contract question because it seems like that's what people are curious about. I know that there's speculation that they're waiting until the expansion drafts so they don't have to protect him or not. I'm a little undecided on whether that's going on or not. Um, but I guess like let's start with Ovechkin and his legacy. I know that this is going to be something that all cap stands can kind of agree on. And I think it's just universal as a capital scandal of talking about Alex Ovechkin. So the floor is yours and uh, kind of describe your piece and what you were going for there. Yeah. I mean, obviously you have all these questions, you know, a lot of uncertainty that Washington faces in this coming off season, just because, you know, you've had three first round exits and you wonder what's going to happen, who's going to be on the move. And then you have this contract that, has been quote unquote status quo all season, but then everybody's freaking out because why hasn't anybody said anything? And, you know, as the speculation was kind of put to rest on media day, you know, I doubt anything's going to happen except he's going to return. I mean, it's his team, as they said. And with any speculation, I mean, nobody wants to talk about a contract extension after they just got eliminated from playoff convention, especially right in that minute as like, yes. you're really reflecting on <laughs> I it. I thought that so. was pretty understandable. You're frustrated. That's kind of the least thing on your mind, right? I yeah. Mean. Yeah. So at that point I was really thinking, cause you know, you see on Twitter, everybody's like, Oh my goodness, he's leaving. And I'm like, all right, like, no, let's, let's tone it back a bit because <laughs> nobody really wants to talk about that right now. Um, yeah, I mean, so what I was going for was, you know, really discussing, you know, the contract situation, but more so having, you know, reflecting on that legacy that he's left behind on DC. You know, ever since coming in as a rookie, it's been absolutely incredible to see, you know, his growth as a person, um, you know, somebody who, beyond the ice even, you know, helps out in the community, does what he can. And, I mean, also, look at those numbers, right? I mean, we talk about it all, we talk about it all the time. But, I mean, even without breaking Wayne Gretzky's record, I, I, I do think he is the greatest goal scorer of all time. I mean, you look at the shot, 
you look at the way he plays the game, you know, and you look at how the game has changed itself. It's become so much faster and, you know, much more difficult to score goals in this league. And he's adapting to that, you know, even, even with time and even with age, I mean, he just keeps going. There's no, there's no stopping it, you know, and even, even the office shot, everything about him, nothing can be, you know, slowed down. Nope. And that remarkable <laughs> rate of yeah. speed. And, you know, meanwhile, I'm like over here, I can barely like make it up the stairs. Um, <laughs> There's this like 35 year old guy in a league playing with people like routinely 12 and 13 years younger and still still getting it done is, is really kind of something else. huh? Absolutely. And that and that that's exactly what I was trying to get to, um, yeah. you know, in, in that piece. So. I just wanted to reflect on on everything and kind of just have people remember, you know, we're all freaking out over this, you know, contract, when it's going to happen. But let's really reflect on, you know, who he is and how he changed D.C. and also taking that into consideration. Relax. You yeah. know, it's, <laughs> I, I I doubt, you know, anything's going to happen. So, no. And I mean, we, we you know, that's, I, I know that we're kind of both a little dialed in a little more. And I like I have not heard anything remotely saying that this is going to be at all in jeopardy. And I got like I, I'm, I'm tired of talking about the contract thing because I think to me that's kind of not quite as interesting. But one thing I, I kind of want to get your thoughts on this, too, is I feel like after the Capitals won the cup that. It almost seems like, okay, we, he's, his legacy in many cases is, I think, you, you don't want to say, like, you know, set, because he might still break Gretzky's record. I think it's probably unlikely at this point, although maybe he'll do it. But I think one of the cool things about him winning the Cup was that you know, all those stupid bull crap things about, oh, he can't win and yada yada, and it's like, you, you can, I, I think a lot of people were able to safely dismiss that, and... I feel like the last few years, even as the Caps have kind of had these agonizing defeats in the first round, that I, I think the enjoyment around Alex Ovechkin has felt a little more maybe pure in a way. And I don't I don't know if I'm saying anything that makes any sense. So let me know if I'm just full of nonsense or not. No, 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 yeah. no. Yeah, I mean it, it. I mean it's it's wild to me. I mean that's um. When you're watching the game, I mean, I, you know, you can watch it with so many different people. You can watch with, you know, diehard hockey fans who have been watching hockey games since they were a baby, or you can, you know, see people who are watching the first time. And still, some people don't know how hard it is to win a Stanley Cup. I mean, obviously, like I'm sitting here, you know, I'm a 24 year old child, but it, <laughs> it's, you know, I mean, it's, it's extremely hard to win a Stanley Cup. You know, you you need to have the stamina. Every single player needs to be on board. That doesn't all just fall on one player's shoulders. And we can sit there, you know, as a collective, you know, analysis, analysis, you know, hockey fan kind of thing and say, you know, why hasn't he won yet? You know, this is like a dent, you know what I mean? But, but it really isn't. Um, you know, it, it comes down to so many bits and pieces. It's, you know, it's a seven-game series, but one game can completely turn the tide, as we saw in Toronto, Montreal. You know what yep. I mean? And it doesn't matter how much depth you have. I mean, that should be evident. I mean, you know, we're not going to keep dwelling on this recent series, but you know what I mean? That that should really ring 
for Caps fans, I think, because that's exactly what happened 10, you know, uh, over a decade ago. Yeah. You know, with the team, that team, I still believe to this day, if they had gotten past Montreal, they would have won the cup and Ovi would have had his cup eight years earlier. Yeah. But didn't happen. Um, Ran into a hot goalie. And yeah. And they kind of self-destructed for a little yeah. bit. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it was it was a wild turn of events. And, you know, it like that alone, I was one of those people who was like, a cup would be nice. But knowing how difficult, especially I think as I got more involved in hockey writing and actually like, you know, going to the practices, going to the games, talking to these guys, you kind of like realize it sets in a little bit more. I'm sure you feel this too of okay, you know, I mean, maybe it's not as easy as, you know, watching from the TV and being like, why can't you just, you know what I mean? Just do the thing. Yeah, just do the, (laughs) they're A little more complicated. And they love it when you tell them to shoot the puck. They love that. Um, But (laughs) it, you know what I mean? So, but yeah, I mean, I I totally agree with you that, you know, since winning that cup, you know, it, it did add that last piece you know, to his legacy. It it really did. And there's still, I think he has a lot left in him. And I, I definitely, I mean, no player wants to just win it once and then be done. I mean, that's the reason that you lace him up every season is you want to go out and you want to win the Stanley Cup or yeah. whatever trophy is representative of your league, you know? So um, I, I, th- I think that there's a lot of potential left for Washington and for him, which is, Again, why I'm not concerned about him leaving. And, but yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with you on that long answer to that. But, <laughs> but yeah, it it is definitely become more collected mindset. Um, but I don't I don't think that's changed the organization's perspective of anything at all. Of like we need to be more, you know, we can lay back a little bit. I don't I don't think that's the mindset there. No, absolutely, and. Um, yeah, so I, this turns actually you transitioned perfectly, uh, like the seasoned professional you are, into kind of what I wanted to talk about next, which oh. is I know with with JP's piece, uh, it kind of got a lot of buzz, and I think it's the question I'm kind of curious about is do we think the Caps have another cycle of contention in them with this core or not? And mm-hmm. I, I think like you could, I, I, and I guess to start with that. I, maybe let's let's talk about Boston and kind of with hindsight, let's say, what do we think went wrong there? Do we think that it was just as simple as the Caps core players were hurt and not healthy? And as a result, Boston's top players were just better and they kind of reverber- reverberated down the lineup a little bit. Do we think that this is a bigger structural problem? Kind of what do we think about exactly what happened against the Boston Bruins? Yeah, I it was... It was a strange series, I'll put it at that. Um, no, I mean, you you look at a lot of different aspects of, of what happened there. I mean, you had, you know, an opening game where, you know, TJ Oshie's shot in OT got deflected by Nick Dowd, and you thought, you know, okay, this is great. 15 more wins to go until the title, you know? And then you have a lot of really close games that go to overtime, and then... You have game four, which, I mean. uh, That was bad. (laughs) That was tough. That was tough to watch. Yeah, I'm trying to reflect on on that one in particular. But that, I mean, that that one should speak volumes about the series. I mean, those first games, 
as LaViolette said multiple times, you know, we're very close. Um, but the, I mean, there was a lot going on. You, you had injuries all up and down the lineup and you know, we, we all know that these players play through certain, you know, things. Um, and, and they don't, they don't, as you know, Backstrom said, you know, it's no excuse. They don't want to use that as an excuse, but, but it does weigh on a lot, you know, cause there, there's no option really of, if you're hurt, you still got to, you know, fight through it. And with what John Carlson was dealing with, you know, that's a huge blow to the, you know, defense. And then you have whatever was ailing, you know, with Backstrom going on. You have the whole, you know, Kuznetsov finally coming back after the whole COVID incident. You have Samsonov coming back. You have Vanacek go down in game one and you see Craig Anderson come in like it's that that's a wild string a series of unfortunate events that you know I mean all piles (laughs) up you know into into one reason that a lot happens but then I think a lot of it also is it's a team that was banged up and ran out of gas and didn't didn't try to really refill the tank I guess it, or, you know, there weren't a lot of gas stations nearby maybe is the, is the good <laughs> analogy. Um, just cause you had so many, you know, ailments, but also you, you had to, you know, you had the perfection line that they talked about playing so well. And, you know, Washington has its own little perfection line in the Hagland Dowd Hathaway. You know, I like to say that it, you know, and you, you need every single piece performing to the highest level. And sometimes that's not possible with injuries, and sometimes it's not possible with effort. Yeah. And when you get a combination of those things going on, I mean, it, it, it's a mess. And I think that game four was really a culmination of it all coming together where, you know, things just collapsed from a standpoint of between the injuries and this and that. And then, you know, I haven't even hit on the biggest elephant in the room, that power play. You know, it yeah. it obliterated them. And the reason for that is it was just too predictable. You know, it and the Bruins figured it out. It was and you know, you look at Washington's power play and it's been operating in a similar way, you know, for for a while. Um and the cool thing about the Cavs power play is that their top core is so good you know what I mean that it can score no matter what but after some time it's going to get predictable and, and you can't pull that stuff against the same team especially a team like Boston who has a lot of strong pieces you know even without you know Charm without Krug and all of that a really strong team that can figure you out and make you pay for it um so that really hurt them as well. Just the predictability, injury, it, it all just came crashing down. And then in game five, I thought they had a really good game five. Yeah. I really thought they did. Um, but, you know, it, you, Tuka Rask was great. And, and, and I feel like by the time you're down 3-1, you basically need everything to go perfectly, right? Like oh, you need yeah. to both be lucky and good and... That didn't happen in game five. Who knows if it would have happened in six or seven, but that, that's kind of when, when you help, when you're down three, one like that, you need everything to go exactly right. And it just didn't. 
No. And and that's hockey. I mean, yeah. not to put the cliche, like that's not, but yeah, I mean, that's so yeah. Life. That's hockey. Yeah. That's life. So what do, what do we think the plan is going forward uh, with this? I mean, I think that it's, I, I mean, it's, it's tough because if you want to say, okay, it was just injuries, let's bring it all back. Like, I, I think that's defensible. We obviously don't know exactly how the season's going to look next year. We don't know how compressed the schedule is going to be, but like, do, do we think that they're just going to bring this back? Do we think they're going to try to make some changes? I know that McClellan and his presser seemed a little maybe cagey, but at the same time, he did seem mm-hmm. to say that there were going to need to be some changes made. So I don't know, Sammy, you're, you're the GM. What are, what are we, what are, what are we thinking here in terms of making, making adjustments? Yeah. I mean, when you look at the team as a whole and, you know, just beyond the season, I mean, it's not even, you know, like this was, I mean, it, it was a strange season. We're still in the midst of a pandemic, but you look at the past three years and it's been the same thing. You know, it's been, you know, the early exit round one. Um, and then, but, but you saw some differences and, you know, Mac talked about this a little bit and his exit interview was, you know, you saw in the bubble, you know, that under Todd Reardon's brain, you know, that maybe, maybe the effort wasn't there. It was still you know, a little bit of the same group. I think the Caps really, you know, took a step up with the defense this past year, obviously with, you know, Big Z and Schultz coming in and all that. But you look at the results, right? And you look at the changes that they made this past offseason, which I think Washington, you know, did, did make quite a little bit of noise. You know, you sign Henrik Lundqvist. Obviously, that doesn't work out, unfortunately. Yeah. Um. You have, you know, all these signings on the back end to increase that, you know, depth on defense. You know, you add somebody like Zidane Chara to your mix for, you know, a great deal, too. Yep. And obviously you see the big changes midseason. You know, you see Jacob Verana shipped out, you know, and Anthony Manthabonin. And that tells you right there that this organization isn't going to shy away from, from shaking things up. Yeah. Um, that that right there is an indicator that like, OK, things are, you know, nothing is locked in. Um, and I, I think seeing Washington make a move like that um, is really telling to, I think, you know, that if something needs to be shaken up, it will be. Um, so I, I do think that there need to be changes. I mean, if this team wants to have success, it, you know, things like I was talking about with Boston, things can sometimes be predictable, you know what I mean? And you need a full effort from every single player and you need that buy-in and collective structure. Um, And to build that, you know, you need, you still need that organizational depth. You know, you need that down the middle, you need that on the wing, you need, you know, secondary scoring beyond your fourth line. You know what I mean? It's, it's a lot happening um, that needs to go into consideration. So I see change happening. Um, I'm not sure what it looks like exactly. I would like to honestly see them, you know, change up the forward lines a little bit, you know, get some players in there who can help shake things up on the power play and that kind of stuff. You know, again, I think that having secondary scoring beyond your core, if you're going to stick with the current core, is important and it can't just come from 
I'll talk about the fourth line again. They're fantastic, <laughs> you know. They're they're an absolutely fantastic Nick Dowd scored eleven goals this year. Actually. Yeah, <laughs> career did. high. And yeah. he was also in the, you know, eleventh overall in faceoffs in the league. Fantastic yep. season. Hathaway was great and you know, Hags chipped in when he could and it's a great line, you know, but you can't just have one line performing. Sure. That's not gonna win you anything at all. Um and doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter if it's your fourth line. It doesn't matter if it's, like, your third defensive pairing that's, like, chipping in goals. You you can't just have one unit buying in. It needs to be the whole team. Um, and that, and that, that's something that's going to have to change. And you need to make sure that each and every single player is on board and bought in. And if they're not, then something needs to change there. Because that's not going to work. Yeah, well, speaking of players that I think it's... Uh... Fair to say their buy-in has been a little inconsistent sometimes is uh, obviously Evgeny Kuznetsov and uh, kind of I, I I struggle with Evgeny Kuznetsov here because I think you could I mean it, it seems like the Caps might be done with him I'm not totally sure it's with Kuznetsov I think it's safe to say uh, some of the buzz that I've heard and I'm sure you've heard has been a little troubling at times. Uh, you know, we're not going to get into too much here of that. But I, you know, I think that Kuznetsov, to me, what they do with him is kind of going to be like agenda item number one this offseason because they are paying him, what, like almost $8 million. They need him to be a number one center. And it's kind of hard to argue since he signed that contract after, you know, after obviously his amazing cup run um, that he's really been that, I, I, you know, I think you can maybe say he's been a two or a three. I don't, I don't really know if he's played like a number one center really. So I guess kind of what do we do with Kuznetsov at this point? Like it's not, or what do the caps do with Kuznetsov at this point? It's not, I don't, I don't know if there's a super obvious path forward, particularly because if you try to sell him, um, you're, it seems like you're kind of selling low, and it's unclear exactly how that would work. So I don't know. Kind of that's a long rambling answer, which I guess I specialize in. But uh, with a, I'm gonna throw a question mark at the end of this and just say Kuznetsov. <laughs> hey, if you want long rambling answers, you have the right guest on. Um, it... You're the right host too, so we're good there. <laughs> um... so, that, so thus, this podcast is gonna last like a million hours long, and you know what? That's fine. I embrace it at this point. It's fantastic. You know, yeah. a million seasons will pass, and we'll still be talking about what to do at the end of this one. Um, it'll be like the last few episodes of Game of, Game of Thrones, although hopefully it'll be a lot better and more interesting than that. <laughs> oh, yeah. It definitely is. It definitely yes, 100%. is. Um, <laughs> no, yeah. It, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think if you're talking about changes in the offseason, that's kind of the elephant in the room, right? It's He's a, he's a fantastic talent. Um, you, you look at the things he can do, you know, the way he can handle the puck, you know, his hands, the skating, the speed, you know, his vision. He has tremendous hockey IQ. He's a fantastic player. But you need, you need to have that on, you know, game in and game out. And I think that that's something that I don't know what's going on, you know, in his mind and how he's processing everything. He, he's an all-star caliber player. He really is. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you can tell from, you know, his Stanley Cup run and you can tell from the seasons he's had where he's, you know, 70 plus points, 
you know, having that consistency. And then you, you look over the past two seasons and you're like, okay, what's going on here? You know, I mean, something's, something's off. Um, and you look at this season, it was just, I, I believe it was his lowest points per game in a while. Um, I'm not sure the exact numbers that I wrote about, but it wasn't, anyway. yeah, it wasn't great. Uh, I, <laughs> yeah. That said, defensively, he was maybe a little better this year. So it's, it's kind of, I don't even know what to make of this year, particularly, I mean, I don't know how you factor in the two COVID absences too, particularly one happening at the exact wrong time, actually kind of both of them. Yeah. The I mean, yeah. and you, you see, you see that happening, right? It's, you know, it happens right at the beginning of the year and then you're, you're working your way back. Um, and then this whole fallout happens again. And you also saw flashes of greatness from Kuzi in over the course of the season, right? I mean, you, yeah. you saw him go on these hot streaks. You saw him working really well with LaViolette, I think, to take on more responsibility, especially in his own end. Um, you know, he, he had a whole... I remember, you know, uh, you know, we caught up with him post-game, and he was talking about being out there those last five minutes is really important to him. It's something that he really, really, really wanted. Um, and you look at yeah. that happening, and, you know, him improving in the face-off circle, him getting that result, and then the disciplinary action, the COVID, all that happens again. And, you know, LaViolette, you know, doesn't, reveal a lot you know we're working through things we're working through things um so you don't know what's happening behind those closed doors and covid i mean i you know i'm very fortunate to say i haven't had covid um i i know a handful of people who did it 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 takes a toll on the body Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter who you are it doesn't matter if you're a million years old or if you're you know a 20 two-year-old NHL player, you know what I mean? Or in Kuznetsov's case, fully healthy, or, you know, we don't know the exact injuries that were happening. I don't, I believe he was fine, you know, besides the COVID fallout, but it takes a toll on the body. I mean, Ilya Samsonov can tell you that. I mean, I remember him saying he he had trouble breathing. Um, And he's young, you know what I mean? It's it's a concerning thing, so... When you get COVID and you get it twice, I mean, symptoms or not, you don't you don't know exactly what was happening. Sure. Um, nobody nobody does because you're not in his body. Um, and that raises a lot of questions. You know, is it was it the COVID factor? You know, if if he does get vaccinated or if the you know pandemic, if everything just comes to an end, will he you know be back to himself? It, it's they're questions, but they're not great questions, right? Because it's yeah. it, it's so uncertain to the point where you're like, okay, how how exactly will this experiment play out if he does stay or if he leaves? You know, you see it with Verona, you see that experience of, okay, you know, will he wasn't gonna find consistency here, and then he goes to Detroit and it's a whole different story. But sometimes a change of scenery just works and sometimes it's just not going to happen with your team. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that, you know, you can take a lot of lessons from that and apply it to Kuznetsov and you have this potential, you have an all-star player. We all know the talent that we, you know, he has, you saw it in the cup run and you see flashes of it when he plays, you know, you see, you know, the way he 
stick handles, way he carries the puck, the plays he makes, you know, they're, they're highlight reel worthy, you know, but is it going to happen in DC? You know, maybe not, you know, maybe you're not going to work well with a certain coach. Maybe the systems just aren't for you. You know, maybe this location just isn't your cup of tea. Um, so I think in that sense, that's something that needs to be discussed this offseason. I know that he wants to be back, obviously. He's expressed, you know, that he hopes to be in a Caps jersey next season. But I think something that McClellan's going to look at is, are we going to get this all-star koozie every night? Because that, that's what we need. You know, and especially as you have the expansion draft going, you have a number of players to protect, but then there's TJ Oshie, who I don't, you know, he's the heart and soul of the team. You know, every player will tell you that. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to expose a guy like that, you know, if you're protecting somebody like Kuzetsov, you know, who also brings, you know, his own personality, I'm sure, you know, the same, you know, heart and soul, but you have questions about his play. Whereas with TJ Oshie, you know, you, you always get that full effort and you have somebody who, you know, led the team this year in a ton of different categories, you know? So I think that's a question that they're going to have to look at. And then, and then you're going to look at Seattle, right? They might look at the list and be like, ah, we don't want these that's off. We're going to go with insert name here, you know? So like, it's, (laughs) it's not, it's not just Washington. Um, and it depends on the offers you get. You know, McClellan might get some really interesting phone calls and the right player might come along and Kuznetsov might be the price. I mean, you you don't know, but he's a talented player. I think that there's got to be a conversation that he has of, is it going to happen here? Here's the expectations. Go big or go home. Yeah. Um, it's something that I think needs to be laid out for him. And he is a very intelligent person. He has a great sense of humor, I will say that. But he's a very intelligent person. And I think that he he's, you know, if you tell him, if you give him a message, I'm sure he'll hear it. Um, so that's where, I mean, they give you a long rambled answer. <laughs> I, th- I think, you know, a lot of it depends. There's a lot of inconsistency and question marks that are concerned for the future. The skill is there, just whether it's going to happen with Washington we can't know for sure, but again, the expansion draft's a fun place. You never know who they're, you know, gonna take. Honestly, they may look and be like, "Oh, we don't, we weren't crazy about his performance this past year. We're not gonna gamble on that. We'll take, you know, I don't know, Brendan Dillon. Brendan Dillon. Yeah, Sammy, not even remembering it. You know what I mean? But no, like, no, no. I get that. I get that. But um, yeah, they might yeah. take Dillon. You know, so you never know. You don't, you don't know. You don't know. Yeah. So I, I, I want to ask you about Laviolette, and then we're going to take a quick break and then talk expansion draft goaltending and a couple other things at the end here. So yeah. um, I, I want to like, ask you about Laviolette and kind of where we're at on, on him as a coach. And I say that because, you know, he's already like had conflicts now, obviously with Vrana, um, you know, and you can kind of take who's ever side or whatever you want on that. But, and it, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know exactly what's going on with Kuznetsov, but I mean, at this point, he's already, you know, he's already like maybe on the outs with a couple of the Caps' talented pieces here. So, 
and but that said, I mean, the Caps had another good regular season. Um, they were right there. They were tied with the Penguins for the lead in the division. Didn't win the tiebreaker there. But I, I, I guess kind of where where are we at on Laviolette as a coach? Are, are, are we thinking that this is, you know, maybe a, more of a stopgap kind of thing? Or do we do we expect him to be a to be a Washington Capitals head coach for a while still? Yeah, I mean, I think you look at this. It's so strange to really like think like we're in a pandemic, you know what I mean? It's wild. Um, (laughs) And, and you look at, you look at a new coach coming in during that time, you know, and LaViolette, I mean, his resume speaks for himself. I mean, for itself rather, it's unbelievable. You know, you have Stanley cup final appearances, you have a cup tail with Carolina, you have a well-respected coach, you know, one of the most, you know, a lot of wins over time, a lot of playoff appearances, you know, high expectations. I think my favorite Peter Laviolette stat is uh, I'm I'm 31. He has been a head coach in the NHL since I've been in elementary school. Oh, wow. Wild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he has, like, been around for forever. Yeah. I mean, and that, <laughs> and that alone, I mean, should, should tell you, you know, this is somebody who, who is well-respected. Um, yes. Who, who is well well-tenured and, you know— obviously, you know, does know what it takes to win. I mean, but you you do come into a completely new organization and he touched on this a little bit, but I don't know if the magnitude completely hit of I'm a new coach and all of my sessions with these players are over video chat, you know, and yeah. we get some time at practice, but the in-person stuff and connection really isn't there, you know, and you have some players who respond to the message and you have some players who don't, you know, of you have some players who want to buy in and live up to the expectations. And then you have other players who have been adjusted to other systems and maybe don't want to make the change to another one. Um, miscommunication, you know, not everybody is going to be everyone's cup of tea. Um, and no, I mean, I, I'm, I'm in the dark about, you know, the, what happened between Verona um, I'm sure that there's two sides to every story. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough. It's tough to really evaluate. I think that they, that he did a, a good job in his first season. You know, I think through the injuries that Washington had and the COVID situation and all things considered, I think that he really did, you know, a, a good job and, you know, working with these players and, you know, really standing behind some of his guys and making, you know, adjustments where he saw fit. I mean, especially like if a certain line wasn't working, he was going to shake it up. You know, it's if one player wasn't performing, he wasn't afraid to take them out of the lineup and let somebody else draw in. It's it's things like that that give you confidence of, OK, you know, there's a coach that's going to respond if things aren't working out. Mm-hmm. Um. And then there, there are questions, right, of you, you don't know because, okay, in a regular 82-game season, you know, with fans at full capacity in the building and, in play, you know, in, in-person meetings and, you know, no masks and no time limits on when to be in the arenas and that kind of stuff, which yeah. hopefully we'll see next season, you know what I mean, and no players having to be on protocol and missing time or, you know, being disciplined because they broke the protocol. like. What's going to happen there? Um, and I think that's really going to be telling is this next season for a lot of people. But 
it's going to be a season of no excuses because I, I really do think that a lot of the, and hope, I mean, obviously I hope that, I mean, I think everybody hopes that, you know, a pandemic that has brought the world to a halt comes to an end. I hope that we that would all, be great. <laughs> but, um, I would be a fan of that. It, it would be fantastic. Right. But, but I do think that next season, if it is a full season and, you know, restrictions are laxed even further to the point where we do get back to the full capacity kind of stuff. And, you know, if players get vaccinated, they can, you know, not have to wear masks in the facility and actually have those in-person meetings and be together in the locker room and establish those relationships more, you know what I mean? So I really do think having that connection will tell more about Laviola. I liked him in his first season. Sure. You know, I think I think through the injuries and through everything, and it was a lot. I mean, it, it, it was a lot going on of, you know, we don't have Kuznetsov tonight. We don't have, uh, we don't have Sammy tonight. We don't have, you know, uh, we don't have Carlson tonight. We don't have Schultz tonight. You know, it, it was a bunch of different injuries happening and a lot of adjustments and seeing what a lot of players have in them and the potential and threshold that they have and the way that they mesh in the lineup. And again, during a time like COVID and during a time like injuries, a lot of it's like, we got to roll the dice and just experiment and see how it goes. Yeah. Cause we don't really have any other options either way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that, you know, next season we'll be telling and it'll show, you know, will, will players actually buy in and, you know, what, what is the relationship, I mean, going on with the whole team, you know, with the exception of a couple other guys, you know what I mean? Again, as I specified with Verona, a change of scenery sometimes just works. Yeah. And there was inconsistency and you don't know what that's attributed to. I mean, you'll know if it's, you know, systems or not responding to the message, but overall, Sometimes things just change for the better. And I think that it, it really will take a, a normal full campaign to really see what's going on there. But I, I thought it was a decent first season for a long tenured coach who's going through scenarios that nobody else has faced before. So, yeah, I'll leave it that at that. Sense. That makes sense. All right. OK, well, with that, we're going to take a quick break. And on the other side, uh we're going to talk expansion draft, goaltending. Um, uh, this is queer. Uh, I say this is Pride Month, so we're going to, uh, you know, talk a little bit about that, and uh, we're going to conclude with dogs and cats. So uh, with that, stay tuned. Welcome back to J Percent Radio. I'm still here with uh, Sammy, and Sammy, let's talk expansion draft. Uh, I am kind of interested in what's going to happen here. So. I guess let's start with, um, it looks like it's going to be, uh, the Caps, I would imagine, are going to use the uh, 11 skater protection approach, which would involve protecting seven forwards, three D, and one defenseman. So let's start Let's start on the, on the easier end and kind of buzz through this. Um, goaltending, it seems like they would either protect Samsonov or Vanacek. Do you have any kind of idea on which one they would do? I am not too keen on that. I mean, you you have <laughs> you have two <laughs> netminders, I think, who who had you know decent showings. I think that 
both of them, when they were in, really did give Washington a chance to win. I mean, you look at Samsonov's playoff performance, I thought he was stellar. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought he really came to his own. Then you have Vanacek, who was in a completely unprecedented situation. I think he expected to spend one more year developing in Hershey before, you know, coming up. And you had the Longquist situation. You had, you know, Craig Anderson signed. And you had him win that position, you know, rightfully so, in training camp. So you see the growth from him and the potential from him. And then you see the potential from Samsonov as well with that playoff run. But they're two very short trials. Yes. Right? Like, and you're like, okay, what's going on here, you know? And I think if you're going to protect a goaltender, it's tough. I feel like there would be more draw to take Samsonov if he was exposed. Vanacek, I think, does go a little bit underrated. Um, he's a fantastic goaltender. He's one of the best rookie that monitors in the league. Um, I, I think he finished with the rookie lead and wins, actually. But I think if you're going to play the game of protecting one goalie um, and you do have faith in Samsonov, which Washington has established that they have faith in both goalies, I think that you're going to go ahead and protect Samsonov just because Vanacek might not be the more flashy name even though he he has rightfully earned you know that (laughs) that that prestige I think that Samsonov has um especially because I think that he you know proved that he can steal a starting position from a surefire promising number one goalie in Samsonov he can come in and steal that no problem um but again I mean there's you know there's 31 other teams and you know, top tier goalies are going to be protected who have that, you know, long tenured or, you know, elite kind of projection. And then you have, you know, the Caps rookies who show tremendous promise, but might not be completely as flashy. Um, yep. So I, I think you go with Samsonov in, in that sense. Yep, I, I think agree there. So, yeah. um, Defense, uh, we're talking three defensemen, and I think the, the first two are pretty clear. Uh, you would imagine the Capitals are going to protect John Carlson and Dmitry Orlov. Uh, let me know if you disagree with that. But the third one's kind of interesting to me, and I think that there's kind of three contenders, and you can only protect one of them between Justin Schultz, Brendan Dillon, and Nick Jensen. Uh, I, I will be fully transparent here and say I would protect Nick Jensen of those three, but... I don't know, kind of, what, what, where do you think the Caps might be more likely to go in that kind of situation? See, that's such a good question. Yeah. <laughs> you, you come up with really good questions for these. Um, that's my job. And, um, I try. I try my yeah, best to say no. semi-professional in the sense of I get a very small paycheck that helps me pay my bar bill. But uh, that's that's the, <laughs> that, that's my goal here. <laughs> no, it's a very, it's it's my favorite podcast. Um, well, thank you. Yeah. I um. Yeah, I mean, you look at Washington's defense, and it's all kinds of fun. I mean, I, I will agree on the Orlov Carlson. I think that there's no question there. Um, but you do – those three are kind of a wild card, right? I thought Nick Jensen had a fantastic season. Um, I really do. I think he showed a lot of sacrifice. I think that he got more involved offensively, and I think that's something that Laviolette has really tried to bring in is getting defensemen more involved in, you know, the forecheck. And I think that Jensen 
you know, took that message and ran with it. Um, I thought he was great at both ends, especially, you know, taking on more responsibility, you know, this season than other seasons in the past. But if I were to protect one of the three, I would go with Justin Schultz. Um, I think that he's a tremendous talent. I really do. I think that he's come a long way since his uh, fun days in Edmonton. Um, and yeah. <laughs> he's, yeah, it, it, um, and he, he's really matured and, and is coming to his own. And I think that with the right organization and leadership, he really can thrive. I mean, you look at a player who can move the puck really well and really contribute a lot of offense. And I think that he did a fantastic job in that category this season, especially with primary assists. Um, he has a, you know, underrated shot from the point. He can get the puck up ice. He is really good, you know, on the back check. I think looking at who he was paired with this season, um, I think he moved around a couple of times. I think that, you know, I think there was a second where he was with Chara and then there was a second where he was, you know, on the top and then there was a second where he was in the middle. Like having him just move around a little bit and maybe find that chemistry and that perfect, you know, dance partner for him, I think will really... That makes speak sense. volumes. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I do enjoy Dylan's presence. I think he brings, you know, a lot of physicality. I think that he's a, also a great defenseman who can move the puck, but I think Justin Schultz just has more potential in that category to rack up those points. His production kind of gives me, and not just because he wears number two, but it gives me a little bit of like, skin <laughs> and you know what I mean? Sure. vibes to it where where you can have somebody rack up you know those points and move the puck up ice maybe not as flashy as you know john carlson and not as like you know score of kind of numbers but <laughs> you, you see you know you you see somebody who really can move the puck and again i mean it comes down to seattle looking at a roster and trust me i mean every organization has scouts you know and consultants and analytic experts will tell you, you know, take this guy, take this. But I think if you see Justin Schultz up for grabs on that list, you're going to, you know, you'll take him, you know, top four defenseman. Fantastic, you know. And you look at Nick Jensen, who's fantastic, but you see, you know, it's a third-pairing defenseman. Easier matchups. Easier, yeah. So maybe not. And then you see Brendan Dillon, who, okay, also top four defenseman, we'll take him. Um, And, you know, he again, he's been good. I just just think that Nick Jensen really proved his worth this season. I think that Justin Schultz really showed that he can bring, you know, that offensive factor, but also that he can play solid defense. When healthy, I think he yeah. was battling through a couple, you know, things. I was going to say, it, it, for me, it didn't feel like Justin Schultz was really healthy from, like, late no. March on, although I, I, I could be wrong there. But no, yeah, definitely I, clear he was battling through some stuff. Yeah, you could you could see it, I think, in, in the way he played. And, yeah. you know, it there, there were flashes of really good play there um, where I thought he really came to his own, so... I would go, I mean, I'm always going to protect the name that's going to have the highest maybe attention to it and maybe have, like, the most, you know, sure. flashy lights around it. <laughs> I mean, even regardless of how you play, you know what I mean? If you see, like, a cool name, you might take it. 
I think that obviously I wouldn't make a good general manager because that's my way of thinking and maybe that's not for the best, but you know. Hey, you know what? Like, honestly, I think we're all, we're all still trying to figure that out a little bit. Um, yeah. In terms of forwards, we don't need to go through all of them because they're seven. So let's, let, let me just break it down here. Do you think the Capitals are going to protect TJ Oshie or not? I do. Okay. That makes I sense. I, I, I agree there too. I think it's, uh, I, you know, it's, I'm still a little nervous about the back half of that contract, but at this point it's, you know, he's clearly just a warrior. He's aging a lot better. I think than I thought he would and other people thought he would. I, I think you, I think you protect Oshie. So. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, and you have, you have the consistency there and you have the heart there, you know, you, yeah. you have somebody who's dedicated night in night out. And it also just, it, it's also saying that humors me a little bit when I see people saying like, well, they didn't say that they would protect him. Yes. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, well, I don't think you're flat out going to sit there and say your game plan and, you know, give another team a lot to think about, but sure, yeah. you know, but there, there's no doubt in my mind that, that he'll be on, I, I believe he'll be on that protected list. 180%. Yeah. yeah I, I tend yeah. to agree there too. So, yeah. uh, all right, and uh, let's let's can uh, we we talked about goaltending a little bit. Um, you know, I think that it's pretty clear that Sam, that that like the Caps are going to give Samsonov another shot. Um, it definitely wasn't clear, I think, before the playoffs that that was going to be the case. But you know, I think he played pretty well, and I think he he has enough pedigree there to kind of earn a shot. So, like, I, I know that like um, Laviolette and uh, the and GM McClellan both said that. They're comfortable with Vanacek and um, Vanacek and Samsonov being a, a tandem pair again. So, do, mm-hmm. do you think the Caps are going to try to do something in the offseason in terms of getting another kind of Craig Anderson style veteran, or do you think that this is kind of the two and they're just going to ride them? I think that they try to do something. See, and I, again, I'm not I'm not general manager, and I'm not sitting right sure. there to next to Mac, but. You look, you look at the situation that, right, and you look at, you know, this is going to be an off-season of changes, and you look at Washington, who has taken significant strides, like we talked about earlier, to improve the defense corps, right? Yeah. And, you know, you have Faravari probably coming up next year. They talked a little bit about that. So, obviously, they have faith in their younger guys, which is telling about their netminders, too. But I think you look at the season – and you do see, you know, some questions about inconsistency and you know that that wasn't the original game plan. Yeah. You know, the game plan was to have Henrik Lundqvist come in. Um, and you look at free agency coming up and I think you see who's available in that moment. I mean, you know, you might have some really big names. You might have some, you know, solid other guys coming in. And I mean, it all depends on who goes in the expansion draft too, you know, I mean, That'll open up some cap space, and you'll see what happens there. Yep. But I, I, I think that they go for somebody else, and I think it's just because if they want change and they really want to see what's happening, they bring in some kind of other X factor to maybe not light a fire under, you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. to to start some, you know, okay, let's see how it goes and kind of see how that all plays out. I mean, because again, it wasn't the original game plan. I thought that the goaltending for what happened was phenomenal. I mean, I think that you can't ask for anything more in regards to that, but 
Um, I, I, I do expect some kind of something happens where, where there does seem to be some kind of competition because I think that there's a greater story to be told there. Um, and I do think in a normal season with, you know, more predictable circumstances that it, it will be helpful to have, you know, a seasoned goalie in that mix, especially given the injuries that happened. Um, especially yeah. in the first 10 minutes of game one. I, I think that you want to have somebody else. I thought Craig Anderson was great, but I think you you explore free agency and, and, you, and you see what your options are. Yeah, you know. I think I think a name to potentially keep an eye on that I'm that I'm, I'm interested in is maybe like a Peter Morazic type. You know, you look at him and you think, okay, he's used oh, yeah. to kind of being in a little bit of a tandem there, and uh, you know, he's at least it feels like he's been in the league for forever at this point. So that's that's just one one name I'm casually tossing out there. But but yeah. one thing I'm not going to casually toss out because it's important and it's uh it's Pride Week which or Pride Month uh which I'm still learning how to be queer, I guess. But um, it's, uh, you know, I think one thing that, uh, Sammy, as, as, as I kind of think about, like, you know, queerness in hockey and it's, you know, I think that there's still a little bit of a gap, I think, between, I, I, you know, I think fan bases are getting more accepting of, of queer personalities and different personalities. But at the same time, you know, I think we still have ways to go. So mm-hmm. I guess this is kind of, an interesting time to reflect on, you know, being queer people in hockey, because I think that we're obviously things are different now than you would say they were like even like five, 10 years ago. But I don't know. I, I still feel like we have ways to go in terms of acceptance. So I guess that wasn't really a question, but I'm going to kind of shovel it at you now and like, and like, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I really, I mean, first off, I mean, happy pride month. I think it's, Yay! happy yeah. pride month. No, yeah, it's very, it's very exciting. Um, but yeah. by the way, one of the cool things was uh, when the Caps won the Cup. Um, I don't know if people remember, but that weekend was Pride Weekend, so yeah. uh, or Pride Pride Parade. So I remember. Um, well, actually, I don't really remember. I just like remember I was drunk basically from Thursday night to Sunday. So because like pride, pride, pride parade, like coincided perfectly with the Caps winning the Stanley Cup. So I think for like three straight days, I was like wandering around with friends in uh, in D.C. wearing a Caps jersey and like wearing a pride hat. So that was, uh, <laughs> that was definitely, a, definitely a special, special few days there. No. Yeah. It, it oh, it was uh, that was so much fun. Yes. <laughs> when the, a- yeah, I had a great time. I was still at college. It was fantastic. Sure. <laughs> now, now I'm just sad. No, I'm yeah. um, <laughs> uh No, I mean, I think that there, there really have been significant strides. I think that, I mean, you, you look at things like pride tape and you look at things like you can play and you look at players like, uh, you know, Curtis Gabriel and um, you look at who is the Caps? I believe it's Trevor Van Riemsdyk is the Caps representative. Yeah. Um, I want to say, I feel like Tom Wilson's been involved a little bit in this stuff too, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah. You have, you, have a, you have a lot of players who, who step up and they really do work to spread that kind of message. And even subtle things, you know, like having different color tape and, you know, different color jerseys and pride nights, I mean, really, really are a step forward. I think that it's the little things that make a difference. Um, that being said, I still think that there's a lot of progress to be made. And I think that some of the progress really does begin with vocalizing it and talking about it. Um, 
especially because I feel like when you don't speak about certain things, then people aren't really going to address it. Because they'll be like, oh, if it's not being talked about, then why do we have to acknowledge, you know what I mean? Yes. So, I mean, that's my goal as I continue to go on my life's journey is I, I, want, <laughs> I, I want people, you know, to, to know that, you know, it doesn't matter who you are or where you come from or how you identify, you know, it's you, you have a voice, you know, you're heard, you're cared about, you're loved, you're valued. Um, and I can tell you, I mean, it, it's, it's strange and it's it's saying that it's a it's a strange experience to really be somebody who you know I think I the first time I was in the press box I was 20 years old yep and <laughs> I, w- I was still I was still in college and I, w- I was a woman you know and I it, you know I mean like there were there was just a lot of things going on where I was like okay it it is a little it's strange looking at some of these, I don't want to call them barriers because I do think that I, I was very fortunate in that people were very accepting of me, you know, even though it looks like I probably couldn't get into a bar. So how am I in a press box? Um, <laughs> but it, you know, just, just being, representing, you know, a community and, you know, showing that hey, you know, I'm, I'm welcome, you know, in the press box. I'm welcome here. I can talk about this. I'm accepted here. And even if I'm not, I'm still going to work to make sure that I do belong. You know, there, there have been yeah. places or times I've gone and I know that I'm not welcome. Um, you know, not, not at all in my NHL experience, um, I, which I'm very lucky to say. I don't know if anybody has the same story, but... I mean, sports teams, you know, places where I was growing up, you know, it, my personality just wasn't accepted by everybody. And I think that the way to get past those boundaries is to really talk about it and have people, you know, like us, I think, representing and being like, hey, it's okay to talk about these things. You know, if, if you identify, you know, as part of the LGBT community, you know, you are absolutely welcome. Um yeah. We're not afraid to talk about it. It's not going to be taboo, you know, and we need to continue to spread that message because, I mean, even, you know, somebody who's listening to this podcast right now be like, might be like, oh, my God, you know what I mean? This, these people are completely having this amazing conversation, or I hope it's amazing. It just sounds like a <laughs> No, sandy, it is, it is, it is. It, it sounds is. like a Sandy Ramblethon. No, 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 absolutely not. Yeah, but you, you have, you know, us talking about these subjects and you know, we shouldn't be afraid to talk about it and we shouldn't be afraid to live up to it. And again, like, you know, words can hurt, you know, I've heard quite a couple of them, you know, I've been called names ever here and there. I've, you know, I've gotten hints before, but the thing that I take away from it is like, okay, like this is an opportunity for me to grow, but also an opportunity for people maybe to, learn more you know what I mean so when things are thrown at me you know I just kind of send back like a here's a link to like read up more on like you know how you know to learn more about the community learn more about the you can play project learn more about you know lgbtq plus like and I think that's the message that we need to continue to send is you know to educate but also 
it, it really doesn't matter who you are. We, we really do need to make the hockey is for MA slogan true. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that it goes beyond the NHL. I think that your, you know, your local ranks need to embrace it. Local teams need to embrace it. You know, I think being a part of the DMV is very fortunate because I think that we have a lot of wonderful ranks and a lot of wonderful people. Yeah. Um, but that might, that. yeah, yeah, but that that may not be the message across country. Um. So yeah, I mean, I'm yeah, and I'm so and thank you for bringing it up and not being afraid to talk about it because no, that, no, no, and I, you know, that, I think yeah. it's I always I always say that I think that I. I and a lot of like you know queer people. I think it's. I think I, I'm willing to uh, you know consistently engage, and I do my best if, if there's earnest questions and stuff like that. And I think that that's something that you know it. I I, I do think that it's a process. Like everyone is, you know, everyone is still learning how all this works and how yeah. you know I, how to be a queer person in hockey and how to kind of think about these things. So. I, the thing I always say is, you know, give people space, let people kind of take their time to understand things. And, you know, I think be, I, I at least try to be willing to engage in kind of good faith discussions as much as I can. So speaking Absolutely. of good faith discussions, um, there, this is a Japers Rank radio podcast and uh, we are going to conclude by talking about pets. So <laughs> I, um, I have my cat Milo. I've talked about him on the podcast before, but you have a dog named Koozie and yeah. I just like, want you to I want to hear you talk about koozie for the next eight hours but if not <laughs> then maybe maybe in the next couple of minutes uh how did you get koozie uh where did uh where did kind of the name the inspiration for the name come from and uh how you know kind of give give us give us a rundown on koozie yeah so I was very important this... journalism by the way the very, very important, important journalism <laughs> um yeah she's she is my little co-pilot. She's my co-worker. She's my best bud. Um, I was still living in Stanford, and obviously the pandemic hit like wild, and we were no longer allowed at the office. We had to come home. Um, and I was staying there, and it was getting closer to my birthday, um, which was actually this past weekend. Um, Happy birthday. Happy late birthday. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Um, and... I was going to get a Roomba. Like the plan was to get a Roomba, like a vacuum. And I was like, all right. Like, and then I was like, you know, what would be like a good vacuum, but like also like breeze is like a dog, you know? And like, (laughs) it had, it had been like a a life aspiration of mine to like, it's funny. Like, and my mom, like who's listening to this will probably laugh. Like when I was little, my goal by the time I was 23 years old was to own a dirt devil vacuum. So I was, I was all on the path for that. And then I was like, wait a minute. Like I have another life goal. That's actually like not a eight year old decree of weirdness. It's actually like, I want to rescue a dog. Um, I've always wanted to. So during the pandemic, there were, you know, a lot of rescues, you know, available. And I found one in Kentucky, um, caring about treasured strays. It's wonderful rescue. Um, and I was looking and my mom and I caught Koozie's picture online. It was like this little tiny German shepherd looking thing, like tilting its head. And I was like, Okay, I don't know what kind of dog this is, but I want it. And I called, <laughs> I applied, and thank 
goodness, they thought it was a good mother. And they actually bought Koozie up on something called like a pet mobile. Oh, and awesome. <laughs> so they put all of these puppies in like an 18 wheeler and they drive them all the way up from this farm in Kentucky, all the way up the East coast. Um, so I went out from Stanford. I went down to New Jersey and I remember, so it was originally a boy. It was a boy dog. Its name was Sam. And I was like, okay, that's not going to happen because we can't have two Sams. Like, I'm going to get confused or it's yeah. going to get confused. And it was originally a boy named Sam. And I was like, all right, I'm going to change it to a cap's name. I'm like, but who? And I think, like, during the locker room days of going, the player that, like, my personality really matched well with was Evgeny Kuzetsov. Um, you know, I think that the two of us really... I don't know. Like, the sense of humor was just, you know what I mean? He's a fun person. Right, he kind of vibed. I get that. Yeah, we, we had a vibe. So I was like, you know what? It was between that and actually Fleury, named after Marc-Andre Fleury. Huh, but no, you know, white coat yeah. or anything. So I was like, that's going to be confusing and people won't understand. Anyway, the <laughs> night before the Kuzmeister is supposed to come up, as I call her, I call her so many things, um, they called me and they said, we're checking over things, and it's not a boy, it's a girl. Full refund. And I'm like, what? I'm like, what? No. Like, I, I'm like, I, I'm like I, I still want her. I'm like, I, I'm not going to give her back because it's, a, it's not a boy. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. so they were like, okay, like, it's fine. They bought her up. And I remember just pulling up, and they opened this giant truck, and they pick her up, and she was like 18 pounds at the time. Oh. And they were like, all right, like, say goodbye to, like, your family. And they, like, dropped her in my arms. And she was just so little and, like, confused. Aww. I, like, I fell in love. I mean, she she is such a sweetheart. She destroys things. It's great. I mean, yep. she's a she's a shepherd mixed with we think there might be greyhounds. Something's going on. She, anyway, she's tiny. Like, we all yep. know what she's mixed with. She's tiny. Doesn't make it past my knee. But... She's incredibly smart. She can open doors, which is a problem. Um, especially the yeah. other day, she opened the deadbolt door, actually. Whoa. And she got out of the apartment, and she took the elevator down to the lobby with another family. It was a whole Aww. scene. <laughs> and, yeah, so, but she she's fantastic. She's accidentally published things before. She's written some messages for me before because she oh good yeah she's very coherent (laughs) she likes to step on the keyboard so a lot of the times like i'll send people like dash period 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 dash like (laughs) milo does the same thing yeah (laughs) no yeah that's a cat message sorry yeah (laughs) and i'm just like it's her but she she's a sweetheart she's she's amazing if anybody ever sees us in the dmv come say hi she loves people she doesn't bite. It's hilarious. Um, she's actually at doggy daycare right now. But she'll like she'll pretend to be like a tough dog, you know. So she'll like <laughs> pretend she's gonna bite, and then she just like starts like licking you. And I'm just yeah. like you're. And she thinks she's like huge. You know what I mean? But she's like tiny. She has like oh, a little. Yeah. She has like problems with the back feet a little bit. So like her back feet are like always stuck together. It's oh. it's very strange. But she she's <laughs> the light of my life and. If anybody ever wants pictures of Goozy or to learn more, she has an Instagram. It's called Koozie Cam. Um, 
I need to yeah. that. All right. Yeah. Good. This no. has been a productive podcast for me. I'm going to yeah. have a new, new dog Instagram I follow. No. And <laughs> yeah. And obviously if Milo has, you know, those handles, I love Milo. And yeah. I want to see what's up there. He's a good cat. He actually mm. is. He was just in here uh, a couple of minutes ago, but then he he's, I think, decided to move on to more interesting things like the bed. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah. All right. Well, with that, this was, Sammy, this was delightful. I had a great time having you on. Uh, we got to do this again soon. Where can people find you and your various musings on things and your writing? Uh, I hear you write for this really good site uh, that I don't know anything about. So tell, tell me about it. <laughs> yeah, it's called Japers Rink. I don't really know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> no, you can you can find me there. I'm the underscore Sam. That's me. Um, yep. That's my beloved handle. Um, and then on Twitter, I'm at Sandy Silver. I'm always on Twitter. I'm I rave about multiple things. It's where I post all my koozie pictures, all my caps, NHL thoughts. You know, any quotes I see. And then also you get the occasional debates. Like, right now, I'm going to fight with a friend over. They think that, like, there's different types of mint with gum. And I do not oh, think that's yeah, true. Oh, yeah, I saw that. I saw that. I don't I, even I, know. So, on that point. Yeah, so. I don't either. Okay, thank <laughs> you. Yeah, if, Gabby, if you're listening to this, you're wrong. And it's, <laughs> it's you know. I'm basing that on something very objective, obviously. I, the worst thing is I could totally Google this right now. But, no, I'd rather, I would rather, like, sit here and give my opinion about something that I could Google. But it's No, <laughs> I, I, I like to, you know, be very upset about things that are obvious. Like the other day I got yes. really upset that there's no booberry in my market. And one of my friends was like, it's, it's, you know, it's May. It's not, well, it's June now, but they're like, yeah. it's not October. And I'm like, well, it's still wrong. You know, yeah. I spend my money here. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, anytime, you know, and then I'm at Instagram, the kid Sammy, that's me. And yeah, I just, there you I go. just, I just like to bebop around and, you know, anybody wants to ask any questions of me, you know, if questions about koozie, questions about pride, you know, any representation, anything that matters, you know, I'm here to chat. So thank yeah. you so much for having me on and allowing me to talk about all these different things, you know, and if you're listening to this, you're cared about you're loved, you matter, Amen. you know, don't give up. Amen. And uh, yeah, it, real quick, I will buzz through the promo stuff. If you like the show, please rate, rate, subscribe, review, do all of those things. Uh, I um, There are more Capitals podcasts out there now, and uh, I'm still kind of enjoying that we're the number one non-team affiliated Capitals podcast. Uh, so let's yeah. let's keep that going. Give us give us some rate, rate, subscribe, review. Um, we got a whole bunch of exciting things planned this off season. Um, so I will be unveiling those as we can and as I have time, as I kind of meander my way around the country and across to Europe. Um, you can follow me at, at gregy underscore jr, and you can follow the show at at jbrink radio both on Twitter and. Uh, I, we are the the show is also on Facebook as well, so uh, you can you can follow that there if that's more your jam. So uh, with that, uh, Sammy, we appreciate having you on, and uh, we'll we'll do this again soon. Okay. All right, sounds good. Thank you so much for having me.